I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. sessions and stuff uh not so much i don't know i can't really do remote sessions that well but i'm mixing a song for someone there now they just sent me like all the stems so i'm just like sorting all of that out there now is that what you've have you kind of started doing more of that since touring's been removed yeah i kind of like came off tour and then realized i wanted to start getting into songwriting and stuff so i've been doing that i've been right i've started writing my girlfriend for a bit and then she just started the band called head ballet so i've been writing with them um, I've been writing with Luke and stuff as well. Luke, same Phoenix, primarily them to be honest. But they're quite different genres as well. They're like kind of at either side. Yeah. Looks a bit more classic. I'm just kind of, br- I'm just kind of branching out to be honest. <laughs> just I'm happy to do anything to be honest. It sounds. Uh, I just I'm really enjoying being in the studio at the moment. But um, yeah, and then decided that I kind of like love doing production now, which I never really done before. So now I'm like doing this, and I'm like, oh, it's so fun. So kind of change the way you th- write when you start getting into production. The yeah, way you never, think about it, yeah. I never used to write that much. Like I used to write with Dom, but I would always like I would always play guitar and stuff. I never really think about it in the aspect of being like, oh, I'm actually going to start writing a song. It would just be me giving guitar parts to songs. That's quite a producer way of kind of looking at it, though. Like kind of filling in the blanks and building it out. Yeah, but yeah, that's. I mean, since lockdown, I started thinking about it a bit differently. I started thinking about like like song structures and chord progressions and like lyrics and just trying to do it all and I've done loads now I'm just like it's so fun I love it <laughs> but like I think before I never used to song write that much because I always think in like the bigger picture which is probably a more producer type thing like, I can never just think of the song I need to think of everything else that comes with it in term, w- in terms of like the touring and the nah, more everything like surrounding just, song, what do you mean like in the production sense of like someone's like oh yeah and they like play me a song on piano then I'm like hearing the drums and I'm hearing like all the little bits in the background and like everything like I'm hearing the song as a whole and where the song needs to go rather than just hearing like chords and somebody singing for me to like write before I was always just like oh, I can't really like sell this idea to you because I've not got 
like I can't show you everything I've done. So that now that I've started getting into it and I've like started using logic and stuff, I'm like, fuck yeah. I can just like <laughs> throw everything at it and be like, yeah, this is what I meant. <laughs> like that. So yeah. It's like that. You ever seen that film Begin Again? Begin Again? No, what's that? So I think it's like Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley or whatever, but it's about a down on his luck record producer who finds this kind of new musical talent. But there's a scene in that where he sees her playing on an acoustic guitar. I have seen that. I watched that in all yeah, yeah. And they like record outside in New York City and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so genius. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like. I hear everything else in the background and I'm like, fuck, I need to like, I need to get on that. I think the guy who made that was in a band as well. So you can see that it's kind of coming yeah. from that. Do you know what I watched the other night? Uh, Sound of Metal. Have you seen that yet? I've not seen that. What's it's that? like a, it's a movie about a guy that's an, in a metal band with his girlfriend and they're like touring a van across America. But he's like, because he's a metal drummer, he doesn't use earplugs or that. And then he just like goes deaf on tour. Oh, this is the Riz Ahmed film. Yeah, and it's all about him coping with like, and he used to be an addict and it's like him coping with like being deaf but also being a musician and then he's just like, obviously you can't do it. So he has to like go and learn to be deaf. It's, it's mental like the actual the whole movie is just insane and like the editing and the like the actual audio is just fucked because you actually to a degree hear what a deaf person would hear it's just like m- like mumbling and it's like so it's horrible <laughs> wait so he just goes deaf like suddenly yeah he's like, like on tour happened. and then he like finishes he finishes like the end of a gig and then it just gets to a bit when he's just like just hitting the drums and then it just kind of goes really quiet and he's just like and then just like walks out the gig and his girlfriend's like, what was going on? And he's just like, I can't hear anything. <laughs> and then he goes to see a doctor and the doctor's like, oh, you need to, you need to like stop like hearing like really loud stuff. Like if you do it one more time, you're going to lose your hearing. And then he just went straight back to playing a gig. <laughs> totally fucks his ears. <laughs> Definitely Man. happens. For sure. Is it based on a true story? Probably is. I don't know. I feel like it probably is based on actual events. Like there's definitely people that go to and get, go on tour and get like tinnitus and like become deaf. Back in the day, anyway, like ACDC, they're like 50 amps on stage, all on 10. <laughs> like that, that will fucking blow your ears out. That's a lot How long were you gigging for before you started getting the ear protection and stuff? We done, we started in 2015, like the start of it. And then maybe by mid 2017, we were like touring a bit. And then we were like, yeah, we're going to get in ears. So we got them when we had like a bit of money to spend on them. We got like some of the cheaper ones, but totally life changing. Weird, weird to change though, because I've like obviously been playing guitar since I was like 15 or something, maybe even less, maybe even before then, and gigging since I was like 15. So I've always been playing without, and like you get such a different feeling, such, such a different sound as well. Good, different, or do you prefer it now that you've got them in? I like both, but I understand that. I mean, I do prefer playing without any ears, but you do get to hear more with any ears. But it's just less vibe. But you need to understand that, like, if you don't, if you don't use them, then you're not going to be able to hear for the rest of your life. <laughs> so that's just that. It's a small price to pay. And then, but also, like, you can like walk anywhere on stage, and you've still got the same sound no matter what. Where, like, if I'm standing behind, if I'm standing like in front of your guitar amp, it feels amazing. You could feel the weight of everything, like the sound behind you, and you can obviously feel it. But the minute you step away from it, you can't fucking hear anything if you're not getting any ears in. And there isn't like monitors across the whole stage. So it means I can like run anywhere and have the same sound, which is, uh, that's pretty cool. I've came to learn, uh, enjoy the benefits of it now. 
you can, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit then maybe makes you a little bit more free yeah but sometimes sometimes like everything's so loud that you're just like oh shit i can hear every note i'm playing but in actual fact <laughs> not everyone can hear every single fucking tiny note that you play so you you get a bit insecure sometimes because you're like oh shit <laughs> like everyone can hear this oh did you hear that mistake and everyone's like no because <laughs> you're like tucked in the mix <laughs> it's so funny when you go to gigs is it gonna make you hear them differently now when you've been touring for like I don't know. What did you say? Four years now, pretty much nonstop. Yeah, pretty much. Seventeen. It's been pretty. Yeah, it's pretty full stop. Full nonstop since uh, 2017 till maybe March last year. But yeah, I don't know. Still really enjoy going to watch gigs. And before, I think I used to love going backstage and like watching people then. But now I'd just rather be out front and hear it properly through the speakers, like the way it's supposed to be. Right before lockdown, I managed to see Tame Impala at the Forum in LA nice. like twice. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my final blowout. I got. Tame Impala the Wednesday and the Thursday and I was supposed to go and see the strokes on the Saturday and I woke up on a Friday and we were in lockdown and I was just stuck in LA for like three months it was mad <laughs> did you not see did you not bump into Tame Impala as well when you were like 15 or something yeah um, uh, like I knew yeah my uncle knows the guy that does monitors for Foo Fighters so when I was like 15 they were like oh my dad was like oh we've got tickets to go and see the Foo Fighters in Mountain Keynes so drove all the way down I didn't know anything about like getting backstage or that and we just got there and we just suddenly had these backstage passes that my dad didn't really be like oh do you know where we're going to go with these he was just like oh we'll just go in this gate and we just <laughs> kind of kept walking and kept walking and kept, kept walking and then all of a sudden like Biffy Clyro and Kevin Parker and Dave Grohl and that are just like sitting in this wee pub just drinking beer together I was just like I think that definitely a seminal moment of me going oh this is great like look at the size of the production and all this like I definitely wanted to be involved in something like that like music on that big scale it's, it's just, almost like Hollywood isn't it yeah there's just so some kind of magic to it it was mental how was uh, how long were you in LA for then have you got stuck there for a lot then so stuck there well we, we ended up in Australia started last year and then we came back so we're in LA for like a couple of weeks came back here done the enemy awards and then flew back out and then we were there from March to like July, just like there, <laughs> but but like nothing open. So it was just like it was just really weird. It was a strange Stuck experience. Stuck in a wee apartment, pretty much. But um, but I just bought a new laptop, which is like the first laptop I had in a couple of years. So I was like ah, and like started learning the like production and stuff like that. I imagine you kind of see your progression change pretty drastically over that four months interview. Yeah, definitely. Having nothing else to work on. Yeah, definitely from, from back then to now, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> I've learned quite a lot. I've just tried to be productive at least, like in lockdown, because I know a lot of people just haven't. Well, it's hard to like be productive when you're just stuck in a house all the time. Yeah. Do you ever get that kind of cage tiger thing? All the time. You just need to get us, yeah. I get super claustrophobic. and uh, But obviously, like, we've just been like constantly moving for the last four years and now to be like in one place at one time for such a long period of time is just the strangest thing ever like trying to get trying to get over that it's just weird i love i love traveling i love moving about and i hate i get so bored so quickly like that's why i could never have a job where i would just have to stay in the same place all the time i used to work in like the shoe factory in Levy, and i just hated it because it was just like the same place every weekend i would just come in and i'd be like <laughs> this fucking warehouse again what what do you learn about yourself then when you know the main if you've been going non-stop for four years and then you stop and suddenly everything changes i don't know i felt like feel like more of a human if anything because i don't know you go on tour you're just moving about all the time and like you're in such a set way of life 
of the same thing happening all the time like just like get in hotel for like an hour and then straight to the venue set up and then it's just waiting about a dressing room and usually the, the life of that we live is 90% waiting about <laughs> in airports and hotels and venues 10% on stage but 90% waiting about whether that be like traveling waiting about or like actually just waiting about in a venue but yeah it's weird to not be in that cycle now because I used to come off tour and just like try and walk into the city centre or just like walk about the shops and be like oh I feel like a normal human being now <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a, it's been a good little break but I'm definitely itching to get back now I'm kind of like fuck I need to get back to touring at what point did the balance shift when did it go from it being a nice break to I need to get back I think I definitely enjoyed most of last year just like I was quite happy just chilling but the start of this year I was like after Christmas I felt like oh definitely want to just go back to it but I mean, who actually knows when we come back to it? But hopefully, at some point this year. Yeah, I think end of the year maybe. Yeah, I don't know. The dates are always shifting here and there. <laughs> but yeah, no, at the end of the tunnel, just keeps getting further and further away. <laughs> I know. Right now, it feels like the end of the summer. Maybe, maybe the vibe of like things are actually going to happen, which would be great. Uh, Transmit, isn't it? It's been announced. Yeah, Transmit's been announced. We're doing Biffy Cairo like the day before it as well is that Bella Houston it was supposed to be but now I think it's the same it's basically just we're playing Transmit but not actually playing Transmit <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Transmit it's so frustrating I've been to like teen, every teen apart since like 2011 and then the minute Transmit happened I moved away and I just never got to go to it you just on tour all the time yeah I would love to come to it but it's not going to be teen apart is it you can't really camp in the mud Nah, it's, it's, an, it's a weird kind of vibe. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, the closest thing came to it was I seen Stone Roses in Glasgow Green, so it's probably the closest thing to it. That's probably better than it. <laughs> it was pretty good. That was I've seen them a bunch of times, and that was definitely the best time. That was like 100 percent the one. Them and Primal Scream. Have you seen them a bunch of times? Because were they not only back for like a couple of years or whatever? I've seen them. Uh, they came back. I've done Tea in the Park 2014 or something. Maybe it was something like that. That was that was quite good. I didn't really know them at the time though. Like I never really got into them. But then when I seen it live, I was like, yeah, I get, it. I understand it now. Because I like listen to them. I was just I didn't understand the whole like culture and the, the music behind it all. But then actually seeing them live, it was like, yeah, this is fucking great. It's just like Led Zeppelin on steroids <laughs> to a degree. But yeah. Then I had seen Glasgow Green. Then I played Tea in Park again, but they were piss poor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were just shite. They just—I don't know. I think they just toured so much that uh, Ian Bird just couldn't sing. His voice is usually a little bit gone, though, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, all the time. <laughs> we were—we um, were speaking about Begin Again a little bit earlier on. I think have you been getting quite into your movies, kind of since the? I've, all, I've always been quite into movies, so I always like try and watch a lot of movies. Yeah, probably turn never watched as much as movies, but then the minute I came off, I was like, oh man, I'm just going to watch everything I possibly can. So I can't remember, I can't say his name, but the guy from, the guy that directed Parasite, I've been watching all his movies. Bong Joon-ho? Yes, that man there. I watched uh, Snowpiercer the other night. Brilliant film. Amazing movie. And then Okja, also fucking great. Also very good. Yeah. You've seen The Host? I haven't seen The Host. Is that good? Host worth a watch. It's pretty freaky, but it's about, like a monster that comes up from the river in Korea and they poison it with like uh, chemicals or whatever and create this weird thing but is it in Korean? yeah subtitled fair I actually watch did like watching Parasite in Korean like I th- actually thought it was more captivating like not being able to look away from the screen look at your phone because 
it was just like if you don't look at the screen for five five seconds you've missed like an entire scene because <laughs> you, you can't hear it okay i love that that's great genius yeah i think do you tend to go subtitles or dubbed would you always go subtitles oh subtitles i'd rather just do yeah. subtitles for sure like, like what's like the old jackie chan movies and like his <laughs> mouth moving yeah, just slightly at a time oh it's awful just that's, enough to piss you off yeah exactly that's so disorientating I hate that when you is it a similar thing when you watch movies and someone's playing guitar and they're not actually playing it yeah for sure <laughs> it's usually so <laughs> obvious I know but dubbed is like they're saying it in like Chinese or like Korean or whatever and then like English words are coming out <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like those old cowboy films as well. The ones that were all, you know, the spaghetti westerns done with yeah. Italian and then Clint Eastwood's like dubbed over the top or whatever. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you got lost in a film? Like it was like pure like escapism. I think Parasite's definitely one of them. I think Sound of Metal was as well. It's just one of those movies where you put it on and you just like get lost in it. But usually when I put a movie on, I'll just like turn all the distractions off and just sit and watch it. That's, my, that's probably the best thing about watching movies is the escapism that goes with it that's why I miss the cinema so much so you go to the cinema there's like there's no distractions you're in watching a movie that's it that's great that's just the ultimate like that's what I usually do until if I get a day off I'll yeah, just quit unless there's some bellend on his phone the whole way through yeah or <laughs> <part of> that <laughs> that's why I always say cinemas are the perfect thing if they weren't filled with people oh yeah there's nothing better than going to <laughs> cinema and there's no one there I think I've seen I've seen Birdman in the cinema and no one was there it was just me and my cousin we just went that's a film to get lost the in the entire well. movie just ourselves it was so good you can sit anywhere you want <laughs> chilled <laughs> <laughs> it's the best where's your go to spot then if you can sit anywhere you want <sighs> right in the middle yeah you go for the prime spot where the prime sound is that big bang theory seat <laughs> <laughs> did you not have a run in with Leonard as well where, yeah we did actually where I was like right at the end of a right at the end of a tour where I was putting Shine down at some like kind of one off gig I can't remember where it was it was like Minneapolis or something like that and then from playing guitar and then kind of look back to look at my tech to like anticipate the next guitar change and then just Leonard for the big bang theory he's like standing behind my amp <laughs> <laughs> I was like ah. Oh. <laughs> That's such a strange person that you would never think that he would just be standing behind your guitar amp. Like, I've looked back and seen like Dave Grohl, and he like obviously that's like it shocks you, but it's something that you would more anticipate happening, like someone like a musician doing that. But nah, learn it for the big bang too. <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing though? Did you ever find out? I think he's a big Shinedown fan, and I think he's ah, a okay. big. I think he might be friends with them as well. But yeah, it was just a bit a bit of a weird one. It's like when a. Uh, when I went to the Foo Fighters that time when I was younger, Simon Pegg was there, just chilling, <laughs> just a big Foo Fighters fan. <laughs> what year is that? Well? That'll be like peak Simon Pegg, like Hot Fuzzy or would it? This is uh, 2013, I think, something like oh, that. Like, what, or a little bit later on, World's End kind of time. Yeah, the end of the Cornetto trilogy. Such a good bunch of films. Oh, I know, they're great. <laughs> Classics. Do you ever get used to those kind of moments though? You know, when or does that never really go? Like what you were sitting there with like, Dave Grohl or whatever yeah I mean you, I don't know I mean I reckon the next time anything that happens I'll just be like I don't know I'm quite good at just like not overly showing my reaction to things but you do kind of get used to the like just the mental stuff happening like going to festivals and then just being around like some of your favourite artists and stuff like being backstage and like Kevin Parker's walking about <laughs> I usually try and don't talk to them you try and usually don't talk best. to them most of the time, yeah. Unless it just like casually comes up, because I don't, I just don't want to be that annoying person that like talks to people. 
Like I remember um like Cal Jam I was standing like at this like barbecue thing backstage and I just noticed over the this little river thing Matt Helders was there and I was just like why is he here? And he was he was playing with Eggy Pop and so was Josh Holm who's like my favourite person in the world. <laughs> and uh, I was standing like maybe like a metre away from Josh Holm at one point and I was like, Yeah, I'm not gonna talk to him. Fuck that. <laughs> no chance. So what, what do you say though? Yeah, what do you say and what do you say that they've not heard before? And also like I don't really want the person that I think I admire the most musically to be like, Oh, what a fucking twat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I guess if it's, if it's in a backstage setting as well, that's the one place they probably think they're free from it. Yeah, exactly. Like someone going up and speaking to them and then... Yeah, unless you like... I don't know, unless this conversation strikes up or something like that, that's when I'm just like, ah, oh, this is fine. And usually people are just really nice in those settings. But if you like kind of catch them off guard, they're just kind of like, oh, it's not really going to be <laughs> what they're actually like. It's going to be them like, oh, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it can, yeah, it can be quite awkward. Yeah, exactly. I remember I bumped into Julian Casablancas when I was in Spain one time. I was at a festival going to see him, and we like went to the town for a few days before. And I just bumped into him in a park, and I just said like hello and like how's it going and all that. Like kind of just gave him a nod and whatever. And was just like all right, and that was it. And I felt good about that. And all my pals were like, oh, you know, you should have gone up and said something to him. I kind of felt all right with just saying a hello. Yeah, but no, I mean, I don't know what else I would have said. Sometimes I've been like at a festival walking by someone, and you catch the eye of someone, and you're just like. How you doing? And you keep going, and that you know, that's enough for me. Sometimes I've done that with uh, the Queen's Estonian's guitarist Troy, just kind of walking up, and he was walking towards me in this like pinstripe suit, and I was like, "How you doing?" And he was like, "All right," just kept walking. I was like, <laughs> "I'm cool with that." It's a very Scottish way to do it as well, isn't it? Don't yeah. show any emotions, but just, still make the just connection. The nod, just a nod. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not end up having a running with Aussie though, in like a more direct way were you not speaking to them for a little bit yeah we got um we got invited to his ep launch at the rainbow rooms in la and just in the corner of the room was just like chad smith from the chili peppers ozzy <laughs> sharon but yeah but i just kind of looked back at one point and young boy is just like sitting there with all of them and he's like oh come over i'm like oh what and i just kind of got up like <laughs> a couple beers deep security guard wouldn't let me by and then they were like oh actually it's fine they let me back and I just kind of sat down for like a couple of minutes I was like oh he's there <laughs> and they were really nice but that was like such a nice casual setting but yeah mental <laughs> yeah, well, it's a natural setting <laughs> yeah it was quite a natural thing do you feel like you're kind of where you want to be in terms of that like you're not quite like centre focus all the time but you're still involved in that world yeah. you're kind of in the sweet spot where you don't get all the fandom directed rightly at you but you still get to be yeah, in it yeah it's nice I think I don't think I would like to be like super famous. I've seen, um, yeah, I've just seen it. Like I've seen it too many times through friends and stuff like that. How how manic it can be. Like, similar like Dom or like Lewis, like going through the airport, just like have people come up to you all the time. Which like they deal with it completely fine. But there's definitely times where you're not feeling up to talking to a random person, which obviously admires you a lot, and it's a big moment for them. But you might just be in a bit of a bad mood. I would hate to like ruin someone's experience just by me being a knob because I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired, leave me alone. <laughs> you don't even think of there's like a constant social pressure then on you that isn't there otherwise. Yeah. I'm that way you saying like you never want to ruin someone's experience. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, you, if you're like that famous and stuff like that, then for sure. But yeah, I'm kind of in a nice sweet spot because I still get to like meet a lot of your fans and stuff like that and they're all like so lovely. But I can kind of pick and choose my moments. To a degree. <laughs> I like to keep it that way. 
pick and choose what would you choose what do you mean I don't know just like there's times where I can just stay in the bus and just be like do you know what I'm just going to wait till later when all the fans aren't there because they're all Dom's just goes off the bus and there's just like a million fans sometimes or sometimes depends where the bus parks but yeah there's sometimes I'm just like do you know what I'm not feeling that today but they were going to expect him at any time so they could just ex- they just think I'm away <laughs> or like I'm already <laughs> in the venue or something but if you're feeling up to it sometimes I like to get up and and go for it nice to make the connection yeah I'm just like a very anxious person so sometimes I get really bad social anxiety and sometimes I don't <laughs> so and it's like that times by a hundred because it's so intense and focused on you like yeah. normally when you have social anxiety you can kind of when you're walking past someone you can try and make that step in your head where you say they're not actually looking at me or caring about yeah exactly what I'm doing whereas with that you know they are you know but they're I think kind of it's social anxiety about like going to a party and speaking to one person like you know what I mean yeah. like you get that and I get that sometimes but yeah doing that but then it actually is like 50 people standing outside the bus all like trying to talk to you it's just like sometimes I'm just like Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's mental the Young Buds fans are absolutely mental it's, it's insane it's a nice feeling especially like being on stage and like seeing all of that craziness and stuff it's just fucking amazing do you remember the first time you experienced it off the stage that kind of chaos and that intensity that fandom can bring um yeah we're playing in Amsterdam played in the Melkweg and we just like I don't know we just had some sort of fan base out there that was like they had caught on before anyone else had so they were like oh we're gonna go out to the Melkweg and we went we played this venue I think it was the third floor in the Milkweg. it's still like still a pretty decent sized room decent stage and stuff like that I mean came on stage and it was just like no other gig we had ever played I mean, we came off and we didn't have like security we didn't really have a tour we didn't even have a tour manager it was just like the skeleton crew and we were just like holy shit <laughs> like it was just like <laughs> it was just the strangest thing I've ever experienced in that but um, yeah quite addictive like for that feeling of coming off stage and like having that energy and stuff like that I don't know the only thing that comes close to that now is like finishing a song that you're like working on and you're like fuck yeah this sounds great it's like the same <laughs> hit of whatever that is the magic when was the when was the how, or how often do you finish a song I mean there's finishing and then there's finishing finishing and then there's mastering <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. I wrote a song with Luke recently that I really liked and when we finished like writing it I've not mixed it yet but the minute when we finished writing it I was like felt fucking buzzing after it I was like this sounds fucking great and it's the same kind of feeling but I finished it at like 10 o'clock at night so I was just like high as fuck for hours just off this like <laughs> euphoria of finishing the song like fuck this is great I know and then and then there's a and then there's mixing a the song like I'm mixing a song right now and I mixed the song last month and by the time I finished mixing the song my ears are like bleeding and I'm just like I don't even know what this sounds like anymore and I'll show it to someone and they'll be like no this sounds really good and like I've just heard the song that many times and all the different parts that many times that it just becomes mud almost but and that's even taking breaks and stuff I'm just like I've heard this song like 150 times now does the focus when you're mixing a song like that and the focus you have on stage differ is it a different kind of thing you definitely go to the place whatever place it is it's the same kind of place where you just kind of get lost in it like I'll sit down and start mixing something or like working on a song and I'll just kind of blank and then it'll be like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like fuck <laughs> I've missed the whole day I haven't stood <laughs> up in like 10 hours but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I do love playing live and there's obviously you're connecting with people off stage and people on stage while playing live. So there's like a bit more of a, there's a different feeling, obviously. 
And not to mention, you're probably half drunk as well. <laughs> so <laughs> there's just like, there's different feelings to that. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a similar feeling there. I think that's why I got so addicted to like writing and mixing and producing and stuff and just being like trying to be as involved and getting lost and doing something. It's almost like you've substituted the addiction for getting that buzz every night when you're on tour. Yeah. For the buzz of like finishing a song or like working on something with someone. Yeah, that's the it's the closest thing I've came to it, I think. I done a I done a Twitch live stream a couple of weeks ago and I think that's that was also a close feeling to like playing live. It was so weird. I've never I never really thought of myself doing something like that, but I was talking to Charlie, uh, the Pale Waves bassist, he was like Oh, we should do like a Warzone live stream on Twitch, and I was like, "Fuck it, yeah, let's do it." Because I play, I play Warzone like that's my that's my downtime. I play that with my cousins and stuff. That's like my family catch up time. And uh, yeah, like me, my cousin, and Charlie got on, and we just live streamed for like four hours. And I just had like loads of Umbuds fans in the chat and stuff. It was so fun. Honestly, I had the best time. But I don't always. Ha- I can only do that when I'm home because I've not got a. I've got like a setup here to do it. I do like a webcam and stuff. Yeah, I've got like a webcam and I've got like a whole like setup in my little studio thing back home where I can like do the live stream thing as well as like play on Xbox. But I've got a PS4 here and I fucking hate playing PS4. I'm so bad at it. I just <laughs> I generally can't grasp the controller the same. I'm the opposite. <laughs> That's the only thing I can go to. Fair. I used to I used to have PS3, but then I sold it and bought a guitar and that was me being like, right. <laughs> Stop playing games and let's like get more serious about music. So I've done that. But during lockdown last year, me and Tom Palin, our photographer, we got uh, we got an Xbox and we just fucking played it all the time. So good. <laughs> it's funny you were speaking about Simon Pegg earlier because I remember when he was writing Shaun of the Dead, he did a similar thing where in order to finish writing the script, he sold his PlayStation. Really? That's just amazing. so that the distraction was gone and he could get the focus he needed. Yeah. I don't know, I was just at that point in high school where it was like, everyone was playing COD all the time and it was so fun. I remember how, I actually miss how fun it was because I, I would go on, it wouldn't be like four of your friends would be on, I'd be like 50. Like the entire yeah. school would all be on playing. And then I just had a point, I was like, well, I'm not really going to make money from doing this. Well, I'll be knowing that fucking Twitch streamers and YouTubers are one of the richest fucking <laughs> artists right now. <laughs> Ridiculous. But um, yeah, I was like, I need to get, actually get serious about music, so... Sold it and my granda gave me some money and I bought a Telecaster, like a new guitar, just to make make me want to pick up a guitar more than the one I already had. And I played it, I still, still have that guitar, I bring it on tour all the time. How old were you when you got it? What kind of age were you when you sold the PlayStation? Oh, well, like 15. I think it was like 15. And then like shortly after, me and Capaldi started like gigging, doing covers and stuff. And then we just like support my dad all the time. My dad's also a singer. He does like weddings and stuff, so we would just go go down and like play some songs and drink some illegal pints. <laughs> just get paid in beer. I don't know. That's Did I'll, you have a drive from quite early on though? Like fifteen's quite an early age split, right? I'm selling this, I'm buying a guitar and I'm doing this. Yeah, like I I had never really played live and then we started like we started being in bands. And we done a couple like gigs and as bands, and then done a couple jam nights and stuff. And then every band we started, we just fall apart because of the drummer or like the bassist, or just we were just like fuck this. So we just we didn't like start a band together. It was just the two of us just doing covers, and we got asked to just shit like that all the time. And it just I pretty much just learned to play guitar on stage from doing that. Like Lewis would just be like every weekend he'd be come up and be like, oh I've just learned this new song, it just came out, and I'm like I don't know it. <laughs> So then I just have to figure out from like him just playing the cards to like come up with stuff behind it. 
and that's pretty much how I got into writing music just playing guitar wise like writing guitar parts along to just random songs they can eventually just use them for your own songs because it's because <laughs> it's not actually yeah it's not actually and I just was making stuff on the spot but I made so much mistakes like luckily just like carved that out on stage like making mistakes and going ah well I definitely won't do that one again <laughs> that's how you get good at like getting into the flow of it though it's the same thing with this it's like if I do this and I don't have as much prepped as I should the only way you get better at reacting in the moment is by just doing it there's no other yeah, way exactly. to throw yourself in the deep end absolutely and that, and same like with producing right now like I literally open up Logic every day just to do something because I know that if I don't go on it for three days then I open it back up and I feel a bit lost in it I'm like oh what was I doing again how do you do that again I'm just like fuck that I need to make a conscious effort every day to like pull something up and just like at least do something just so you've, you're like making a, giving it a whack anyway. When you're doing something, is that you writing another part for the song or are you just kind of going through and like tweaking various bits and tightening it up a bit or? Sometimes it's like, sometimes I'll open up sessions and try and finish them or I'll do like little mix and stuff. Or I'll just like, sometimes I'll just open stuff up and just stack and we'll just stuff up and start trying to like write ideas. I might start off with a keyboard part and then I'll end up playing guitar to it and then I'll delete everything else and just keep the guitar part. Just like something always leads to something else that's usable I think and then yeah and sometimes I just sometimes people need guitar loops and I just send them stuff like that so I've just like got a spice library I've just shit like that <laughs> <laughs> would you ever write stuff just as like an exercise that's not for anything like would you ever just sit down and like try and write a beat or something yeah all the time like something completely obscure yeah I've got so much songs like that <laughs> I've got like loads of songs <laughs> that will probably never be released that me and my girlfriend have sat and wrote just on a Saturday night for something to do like instead of like sitting watching TV or watching a movie or like going out we'll just like I'll just have a couple of pints or something and we'll just sit in the studio and just write a song and I'll just mix it and produce it and just be like kill whatever <laughs> that can go in SoundCloud for my private my private it's good SoundCloud. that you still have a space where you can just be free in it though yeah. like it's completely no pressure it's not just, many musicians still have that I think it's just good practice like to like the more songs you write the better you get so I'm, I've probably wrote like a million shite songs but there's a couple <laughs> decent ones in there but like the more you write they, they generally just get better so I'm always just going for it in that sense it's good to do that on your off time sometimes as well but um, I've learned that you can also burn yourself out by doing it <laughs> <laughs> How do you see that coming now? Like have you can you feel yourself start to get burned out and kind of pull back? or? Yeah I've learned to I've learned to just go ah oh, do you know what I need to take a couple days off I've started watching Sopranos, so I've just been blasting that. Anytime, anytime I'm like, oh, my head hurts of like music and I can't be bored with it, I'll just start watching like seven episodes of Sopranos for <laughs> in a day. <laughs> where, you were saying, you know, you've got, where is your little studio space? So I've got, mum and dad stay in Scotland, so I've been up there, I go up there to do sessions with Luke in St. Phoenix and there's going to be swim school next week as well. Um, so I've got a space up there, and then I've been living in Manchester with my girlfriend um, and her band, just like recording. They've got a studio down here, so I've got like a little space down here and a little space up there. But ideally, hopefully, get a flat in London at some point in the next year, and then I can get literally like I can have one studio space where that'll be all my stuff. <laughs> That's the dream, because working at mum and dad's house is a pain in the arse. <laughs> but they're quite they're quite good. They're like uh, it'll still be like eleven o'clock at night, and I'll have the speakers blasting in the studio, and they're just like whatever he's got shit to do (laughs) 
so I'm, I, they, they kind of let me off uh, they let me off with the most of it to be fair you know you're sitting that you don't really live anywhere at the minute and you kind of bounce around quite a bit do you have places in your mind that you want to live do you yeah. have places that you think I might like to go there at some point and kind of be there for a few months maybe even in 10 years or something I, de- I definitely want to live in London like I used I moved to London when I was like 20 and I lived there for like a while and then started touring and it kind of wasn't like justifiable to like get a flat there and now I just like I can't find the money to like put away to like go and live in London when I, I could end up going on tour in the next week I mean probably not but I don't <laughs> want to get like whisked away on tour and then I'm still paying rent for somewhere that I'm actually not going to be in so I don't know, I do, I want to go and spend some time in Paris. I'd love to live in Amsterdam for a bit. And I would generally see myself like retiring in Sydney or something. It's literally the best place in the world. <laughs> I love Australia. I feel like Australia is the perfect mix between the UK and America. It really is, honestly. Like, it's the best place ever. I just, every time I go there, I just have the best time. And yeah, it'd be amazing having like a beachside studio or something like Kevin Parker does with a dream. <laughs> it's like that video, was it not when he made... Was it inner speaker occurrence? You know, when it's the kind of beach house and he's looking out. It might be yeah. monerism. You know, he, the video they're, where he's they're making actually doing a, They're doing a live stream next week. I think it's next Tuesday or something like that. Well, of them playing, I think it's inner speaker. Like at that, at that house, it's like a live stream gig that everyone can like go and watch. So I'm probably going to tune out of that. I'm a massive Tim and fan. <laughs> Had you been to Australia before you toured there? No. Um, I went in 2017 at the end of like a year that was like the final place we went to tour and we just had like a, a like a one or two gigs and then Dom had a bunch of press so I just had so much free time there and it was just I just had the best time it was so fucking good but I've seen most of Australia now I've not seen I've not been in New Zealand it's the one place I want to go but I've been everywhere else in Australia a good couple of times now and it's just like the best I actually had a, I managed to sneak in a, like, a quick holiday there like at, at the end of a tour like right at the end of last year no started last year January finished the tour and then we just had like 10 days off in Sydney and it was just like oh it's just the best stayed at Bondi Beach Is that a tourist holiday or do you just sit on the beach? I've got a family friend that lives there so he was uh, he was in New Zealand with his wife so he just let us have his place for like <laughs> 10 days and like he's just an absolute legend it was, it was so good there it was quite touristy Bondi Beach but I don't know I've spent enough time there that I kind of know like there's a chip shop that we always go there and I'm pretty sure the women's Scottish that owns a chip shop so every time we go in she just immediately is like oh you're the guys from Youngblood because <laughs> we, we go in there that much and I've got yeah I've got some friends in uh, Sydney as well so every time we're there it's just like we just like fit in so well it's great and the great thing about being Scottish is that whenever you go anywhere and you find someone else who's Scottish it doesn't matter where you're from what your views are you instantly connect because you're just like from this oh, tiny place to like There's 5 million so people so many people like that it's hilarious yeah, I've, I've I've met of so many people like that of Scottish that I'm still friends with now, like maybe even just in LA, and then they hear your accent and they're like, "Where the fuck are you, Faye?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> Faye Scotland." <laughs> Immediately, best friends for life. I've got so many friends like that. I've got friends. Uh, I've got a friend called Paul that I met in LA, and he's like way older than me. He's like the most gorgeous model-looking guy ever. And me and my uncle were just like walking about LA. He was trying to, try to take a picture of me in front of this billboard to send to my dad. And then all I heard is a Scottish voice being like, do I handle that? And we all turned around and went, where the fuck are you, Faye? <laughs> Still friends with him. That was like four years ago. <laughs> Wait, so does he have anything to do with music or is he just a random guy you bumped into on the street? So pretty much just a random guy I bumped into the street. And then he came to our New York gig, which was the following week because he lived in New York at the time. 
And then every time I would pass through New York then, I would just meet up with him. And he was like, show me like loads of stuff in New York. Because like, New York's just so big. I, I was always so confused by it. And he spent so little time there, like just like in and out, waxed away. So he would just like tour me around New York and stuff. But he's a legend. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what do you do with your downtime on tour? You know, we were saying earlier that it's 10% playing, 90% waiting about. What are you going to do to keep yourself entertained? And- Back then, probably a lot of drinking. <laughs> But um, I do read quite a lot now. And I mean, I reckon if I, if I went back into her now, I'd probably just try and do like a lot of writing and production stuff. Just because I've got like a bit of a portable setup now. I would just do all that on tour on the side. But yeah, generally just a lot of traveling. So probably do watch quite a lot of movies when you're on flights and like read a lot and stuff like that. And then, yeah, listen to a lot of music, if anything. I do play quite a lot of guitar on tour. And then if I'm in a city, then I will always try and go and like eat some different food. Like local food? Yeah, local food, not like McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I always love to go somewhere and like seek out the best thing you can get from that city, that like what the, fa- what the city's famous for. Usually we just eat a shitload of oysters and stuff. <laughs> we just love oysters. <laughs> Me, sound engineer. Do you ever discover stuff that you've never heard of? Yeah, we're in, we're in, we're in New Orleans and they do like fried oysters that have got like... Like, I would never thought you would cook an oyster. That's such a strange concept to me, but it was great. It was very good. What are you cooking? Like garlic or something? Yeah, like garlic, breadcrumbs, and like Parmesan cheese. And then like broiled, they call them char-broiled oysters. And yeah, they're fucking great. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like that. The one thing I really want to try is like all the weird French food, like like frog's legs and stuff. Snails? Yeah, I would literally try any of it. I'm just so curious. (laughs) So Trace, I don't know if I could eat a snail. They're supposed to be really good, though. They're supposed to be a mate. It's supposed to be just really garlicky. I don't know. I'm just. I'm curious to try. Like, any, I would probably try anything. Honestly, I, I bet I've probably read too much Anthony Bourdain, and he's exactly the same. <laughs> I don't know. I used to be really picky, and then with food, and then I went on tour and tried like sushi for the first time, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is the best thing ever." Sushi is amazing. I tried ramen, and then Aiden Beatty, Capaldi's bassist and one of my long-time friends for high school. We randomly bumped into each other in Copenhagen and he was like, oh, let's go for ramen. And I'd never tried it. <laughs> this was like the end of 2019. Yeah, we tried ramen and literally for the rest of that tour, I just ate ramen every day. I would go in another city and just be like, <laughs> ramen, anyone? <laughs> I'd just go myself, just go find another ramen spot. And do you know what? I never quite hit the spot as the first one did, so I've been chasing the dragon ever since. Chasing that first hit. <sighs> I know, chasing that first hit. <laughs> the first ramen. <laughs> First ram is always the best. How did you randomly bump into him? Um, we were actually had this, we were staying in the hotel that night and like our tour bus pulled up and I went up to the room and stuff like that. And then our tour manager texted us and was like, another tour bus has just pulled up outside. And we're like, ah, oh, I wonder who. And then we're like, oh, it looks like some of Capaldi's crew. And then I just texted him and was like, <laughs> are you at this hotel? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm upstairs. And we just like <laughs> spent a day in Copenhagen together. It was so random. I think Lewis was like doing press in Paris or something. So it was just me and me and Eden. I went to like Christiana and smoked a bunch of weed. And Christiana's <laughs> the coolest place ever. It's like Hippie Land. And then yeah, tried to. I, I, it was the one day I was like, I'm not going to drink today. And then he was like, Ah, we just got the pub. It was like two o'clock, and that's the day just spiraled out of control. That's better. <laughs> that kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier on about being, you know, one step to the side of the center. Like you wouldn't get those opportunities to kind of go and explore if you were constantly in the limelight all the time. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, like, Dom does get, like, days off. Like, everyone gets days off, but 
I think Lewis, it seems like when Lewis is on that tour, he was just like any day off was just a, a day of him to impress somewhere else. So, but it used to be, or sometimes still is, well, I have to go and do press as well because it's sometimes like a performance thing. But if it's just interviews, I'm, I'm out of there, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd hate to have to do press all the time. It's just, it's like so much work and it's so constant sometimes. You never realise how, like when you're watching like an interview of like an artist doing uh interview you never realize that maybe that they've had like four interviews before and after that one <laughs> i'm probably talking about the same thing sometimes yeah i know so when i'm doing the research for them and you watch like five interviews in a row and they get asked the same first question in all of them and you think if these are doing them like over yeah the space of a week it must just like I know press that anytime, anytime like an artist is in New York, it's just like three days of absolute press, and it's like, oh, I've just done Rolling Stone. Now you're doing GQ. Now you're doing Instagram. Now you're doing. Oh, it's just this, 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 this. I've never seen anything like it in my life. <laughs> I honestly, I don't understand how people do it sometimes. Like be able to talk so much. Like I'm awful at talking about myself. I think if you're doing someone like a GQ or Rolling Stone, or those questions are probably going to be a little bit more. Yeah, when people have done the research. Kind of like the questions are good and it's not just like being asked the same thing I think it's probably harder if you were going through like a breakup or something that was quite public and then like people just ask questions about stuff like that like you're you're there to promote something but they're asking you about like fucking just stupid what was the uh, what's the thing in LA that's just like the worst gossip press ever TMZ just asking everybody just asking TMZ questions and you're like oh fuck off I'm here to promote an album <laughs> not talking about my ex-girlfriend <laughs> people probably get that all the time be a nightmare I had someone on the podcast of the week who had that exact thing where they put out an album the week before that whole album was kind of written about this crumbling crumbling relationship that they couldn't see at the time and they broke up the week before the album came out and then had to spend like a month doing press oh, just getting asked about the relationship <laughs> oh, <laughs> that had then just kind of fallen apart That'd be a fucking nightmare. I can't think of anything worse. That's like, I always try and keep my personal life and my work life like a little bit separate. Like I wouldn't like to like make us such a public girlfriend, like my girlfriend, me and my girlfriend just have our like her own like space between that, which is great. Like a lot of your social media and stuff tends to be quite music centered. It doesn't get too yeah. close to the I used to do stuff. like, I, thought, I don't know, like I don't, I've not been posting as much recently, but like, what is there to post? Like there's nothing, there's nothing going on. Ramen. I'm just sitting in the studio. Even then, like I've barely even, uh, I've been posting a lot about me cooking. That's, that's probably much it. I've been cooking like a shitload. So I, I post that if I'm not like, and I don't really tend to post stuff about like production stuff because I still think I'm shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be like posting stuff and people like oh he's not sidechaining that bass properly I'm like oh fuck I look like an idiot now so yeah so I'm pretty quiet but if I'm busy I'll, I'll, I definitely like like to post a bit more like if I'm on tour the stories are a bit more constant and stuff like that but yeah a lot of it right now is just me cooking pasta from scratch well like with a pasta maker Oh, by hand. Wait, so you like roll the dough and then you cut yeah, it up? Yeah, I've, I've got a pasta maker, but I actually prefer doing it by hand these, these days. But that's what I, that was the one skill I learned last year, as well as the production stuff. I was like, I'm going like, to make pasta. And I've done it. I just got proper into it. I love it. It's <laughs> so fun. That's like, my, that's like my Saturday evening dinner every week as I'll sit down and make pasta from scratch. Make the sauce from scratch as well. 
yeah, all the time. Never, nah, just uh, making pasta from scratch and then using that uh, Domino. Tesco sauce. <laughs> Tesco, Tesco home brand sauce. <laughs> nah, I, I tend to make it. And then it, uh, it's usually vegetarian because my girlfriend's vegetarian, so I can't even put Parmesan in things now. Who knew? Do you have a love of process? Is that where that's kind of coming from? The same, like the production and yeah. cooking, they're both about kind of, it's a slightly technical aspect to it as well as the creative yeah definitely a technical aspect to it and the, like, obviously making the sauce is quite creative so you just kind of do what you want with it but I don't know I just kind of like the process of like putting work into something and like it obviously doesn't take five minutes to make you have to like spend a bit of time on it and then there's an end product and then you just enjoy the end product so it sort of is a bit like songwriting and producing it, it kind of draws a parallel as well between when you were saying how on a Saturday night you might just sit down and make some music like a beat or whatever that doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing it's a similar thing where it's a free space that you can be creative with no pressure yeah exactly I like I like that about cooking as well I know it's just always I'm just a very creative person I love uh, I love dipping my hands in like loads of different things like I'm playing a lot of piano this year I never used to play piano I can't really play piano but now I can just like learning all the chords I can play on guitar but on piano and I'm like ah so then things actually start to make a bit more sense sometimes in certain songs. Like some songs are written on piano and it feels like it's written on piano once you play it. Just like the way that it's went. But if you like to play it, I don't know, Karma Police is a good, uh, that's a good example. Radiohead, Karma Police. If you play that on guitar, you're like, how the fuck did they write this? The chords are all over the place. It makes no sense. Like it's a nightmare to play on guitar. But it's not, but like, it's just like, it's like, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> But then you play the piano, you're like, it's all just laid in front of you. It makes sense. Like, where the chord changes actually are. It's like Smells Like Teen Spirit as well, when you see that played on piano. Yeah, you'd be like, who the fuck would do this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. And uh, yeah, that blew my mind this year when uh, we're in the studio and we're doing that. I was like, wow, wow that makes sense. Writing stuff on piano is different. <laughs> you get different songs. Does that then change it when you go back to write on guitar? Yeah, because then when you play on guitar, you're like, oh, this is all over the place, but... Again, I just always think of like like the guitar in Karma Police is so cool. Like just the chords, just a genius. But then I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, they obviously wrote this in piano. <laughs> it just it's got a certain vibe to it when you're playing guitar back. But you wouldn't have started there with a guitar in the first place. So maybe just like starting on piano, but maybe just even deleting the piano eventually, but then having the guitar part. <laughs> and you're like, you've got something from something. How do you choose what you're going to write on now then? I don't know. Like, I get really bored of playing guitar sometimes. I mean, I love playing guitar on stage, but sometimes you pick up a guitar and you just go to, like, the same thing all the time. And then when I just keep doing that, I'm just like, oh, fuck this. I'm just, I'll start playing piano. Like, the last song I wrote with Luke was all played on a worldly. It was essentially a piano. Because I was just like, I'm fucking bored of playing guitar. And he was like, oh, let's play guitar on it. And I was like, I'm going to wait till right, literally the last minute to play guitar on it. And that's what I've done. It's just the whole process. The minute I pick up a guitar, it becomes a thing. I don't record one guitar track. I'll guitar record like fucking 10. And I'll stack them up and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's a whole thing. I'd rather concentrate on the song, which is like, yeah, obviously more important than just a guitar sound. Are there any other ways you figure out how to do that? Like to approach something in a fresh way other than just switching up the instrument? I don't know. I like always find, like I'll find, I'll start with a chord structure and then maybe I'll like start, I'll be like, oh, this is the chorus. And then I'll be like, and then I'll write something for the verse. And then I'll end up just being like, the chorus could be better. So then I completely rewrite it or the chorus becomes the verse. <laughs> and then you write a better chord structure for the chorus. Stuff like that. Like always just like denominating. 
like between chord structures and stuff like that until you find something that really like has a particular feeling and something you could definitely write a melody to better anyway I seem to do that quite a lot like start writing something like oh that's cool and then that ends up being something like not even main in the song do you learn new things about the way that you write songs as well when you collaborate with other people like you said that you're writing with Luke when you go into that environment and you're yeah. writing with someone else does it make you look differently at how you do things definitely I don't know like every time I ever do a session it literally comes to like the morning before it or the morning of it I pick up a guitar and then everything somehow just makes sense it's so weird it's like the pressure of like knowing that I have to go and write with someone else and like bear my emotion and like like be like oh this is what they think of me like in a songwriting term I was so scared of it that I think the pressure just like makes me see the matrix of guitar I just like holy <laughs> shit everything makes so much sense yeah but I don't know I just love writing with other people it's like writing yourselves like I can't really sing I wouldn't like sing a lead vocal on a track so like I just wouldn't do it I just don't think I'm that I don't think I'm that good at singing like I'll do backing vocals easy I've always done that but like I'm, I've accepted that so I think when I go and write with other people I just like like there's more instruments in the room and the their instruments are people because everybody's going to play something differently even if it's the same part you're like oh can you play a spit guitar as well and I like put one to the left put one to the right me and you and then the blend of the two <laughs> together it's just got a certain feel to it just slightly different inflections and they kind of put emphasis on things yeah. in a slightly different way but every time you every time I write with someone you learn something new for sure like I love writing with Luke we've seen me going really well recently Every time we write a song together, I'm like, fuck, this is great. Do you know that from the off? Like, do you know that from, like, the first hour of writing with him that you're going to click in that way? I mean, like, I've just been friends for such a long time that it was, like, end of last year, I was down in London when things were, like, somewhat not as locked down and a bit more normal. We ended up going to do a session with uh, Steve Booker, producer. And I had never been in a session with anyone else. So I actually went in and been like, yeah, I'm going to write a song with you. <laughs> Usually I just come in and play guitar. And then we just sang wrote a song and it, it just literally came out and we wrote it in like two hours. <laughs> and we left and we're like, oh shit. So then the other week I was like, oh, let's try something. But like with me behind the desk and we done it and I just, I, it was the exact same process. So we're going to do the same next week, hopefully. I think it's it, like what you're saying there, it's because you've known him for so long, that chemistry, that kind of base level Yeah, I think it's the, the admiration of the same style of music as well. Like we both love, I think I love everything that he listens to. It's probably the same the other way around. So you've got such a respect for each other's like choice of music and like genre of music and stuff like that. It's so easy just to sit and write a song that way. But you don't really think too much. You're just like, oh, we'll just do this and just write. And that was it. Have you always enjoyed collaboration? Was that something that always was kind of connected to? Because obviously when you come to creativity and expressing yourself, it's like a singular thing. You start off playing guitar on your own. At what point did you kind of feel the desire to go and work with someone else and collaborate with them and be creative in a setting with other people? I just like, I was always a bedroom guitarist until I was like 15. I would just like sit up in my room with my pedal board and just like, and create like infinite delays and just fucking like fuck about for hours and ends. But it just gets so boring. Like just playing off someone else. Like I, when I used to play with Lewis, I think I started off playing in the band and then realised that it was fun, but then didn't really feel that like where we all fit together but then when me and Lou started fighting together and like playing together then we just kind of got on and we got each other and it just made it so fun and so easy just to like yeah I think the other thing is being on stage I, I would never like to be on stage just myself I just don't think I would be that comfortable because again I'm not a singer I'm, I'm more of a guitarist so like being part of something on stage like a bigger thing that isn't just you there's something special about that 
like being part of a big machine that's kind of just going like the machine of song <laughs> and I think that's what I love playing in like a full band is just great because everyone's got their own little parts and it all makes up something better than the single parts I used to play in a jazz band in high school and I, I just loved that I was just like fucking trombones and like like all the wind, woodwind <laughs> instruments and stuff and brass and stuff in the background and I'm just playing some guitar chords and we sold all of it it would sound shit but then all together it just sounded amazing that's always what I used to love I used to play in jazz bands as well that when you had a part that you didn't think was interesting but then when you heard it in the context of everything else that's going on and suddenly yeah. you realise that without this part that you think is a bit boring that solo that's going on over there wouldn't sound yeah the same as incredible as it does if it's not going over the top of it I used to like we used to like rehearse for days like on weeks like in jazz band and it become the actual gig the jazz instructor would just be like alright guitar solo and I'm like I've never played a guitar solo on this <laughs> song the entire time we've been rehearsing it but he just does it during the gig just to piss me off but yeah I learned so much from that just like you always know what key you're in and always know that if you had to chuck the solo at any given moment then you can absolutely do so because I remember just being like oh shit and playing like three notes and be like oh <laughs> fuck <laughs> bastard I can't believe you've done that <laughs> Do you do you find you learn more from doing in that way than you do from maybe someone giving you like a piece of advice or giving you a lecture or something? Yeah, definitely, definitely learn a lot more from the practical side of things. Like anytime I've learned something big production wise, it's always been in the studio with someone else and watching what they're doing on the computer and being like, ah, so that's why they've done that and they've done that and they've done that. And I like always learn from that and I always learn guitar from being on stage and making mistakes and then figuring out what actually works, but. Like, I remember being at uni and just being told, like, this is a skill, this is a skill, this is a skill. And, like, them not showing a practical, like, sense of why, where or why you'd use, like, that particular thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, oh, here's the Ladonian scale. <laughs> Here, like, have this. But, like, they wouldn't be like, oh, this is when you would use it. they just give you it. And I'm like, learn it. <laughs> and you had to, like, do it for the exam and stuff. But then when I'm actually, like, playing a song with someone or, like, jamming or, like, whatever... I would never go to it because it just sounds fucking weird. Because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> no one gave me the context of it. It's just like someone giving you a word in a different language and being like, yeah, that's that word. <laughs> like they never, they weren't like, oh, this fits in here. I just took to learning a different way. Like I know the basics, like the basic pentatonic skills and stuff, and just branching out of stuff like that. Some some notes work in certain progressions and some don't, and it's all just like making mistakes and just going with what it feels like I'm not as a, I'm not that up to scratch in music theory but I'm kind of happy the way I am to be honest deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.